The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman grew up in a wonderful home full of love and guidance. She learned at an early age about honesty, hard work, and humility, and how to not be afraid to look evil in the eye. Through her father's work, she was often around top CEOs and came to believe she could also change the world. At the age of 16, her view of life changed when she saw children as young as six being sold into sex trafficking, and it was something she couldn't unsee in her mind. However, she tucked the image away and went on to marry and become a mother. But deep down, she always knew she was blessed with money and opportunities, and it was all there for a reason. And at the age of 34, she decided to act on what she had seen at the age of 16. She launched Safe House Project and began building a network of safe homes for those rescued from human trafficking. Today, she is walking her path to greatness as she continues to lead and build this impactful organization. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Christy Wells. Hi, Christy. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to be here. So you're doing such impactful work, Christy, and have so much wisdom to share. So let's jump right on in. You knew you were different at a young age, even as a young child. What did you realize and how has it impacted your life path? For me, I was always taught to use our strengths for service. And for me, the strength that I saw I was given as a young child was opportunity. You know, I realized that I was blessed with people, with connections, with skills, with um, doors being open to me that weren't normally open at a young age. But I also knew that it was ingrained in me that those strengths weren't to be used for my own intentions, my own glory. Those were to be used to serve others. And so it was knowing that my whole life that I was set apart, that something felt different about the opportunities that I had, knowing it had to be used for something. And then being at that older age where I realized it's time to go, it's time to roll on combating trafficking and realizing how we were going to do it and the lineup of connections that I needed to make that happen. And then looking back and going, oh yeah, I already have them all and pulling on those connections to make a difference and change the world. Oh, that's so beautiful. And has it kind of completed the full circle from you, from what you saw at 16? Yes. I would say stepping into the fight against trafficking, doing what we're doing, absolutely, it's completed the circle. It's shown me not that just that I was set apart and that I had connections and that I was intending to use them, but what I was to use them for. And now we're really activating all of those. And so that feels very exciting. It feels like I see the full picture. I wouldn't say that it's gone full circle yet, only because I feel like I've got a lot of work to do to get corporations on board, to get communities on on board and empower communities to combat trafficking. And so I know how much work is to be done in the the anti-trafficking space. And so I don't feel like we're there yet, but we're definitely on the right path. I'm going to stay in this space just for a little bit more. I'm going to dig a little deeper. Do you feel that that most of Americans are unaware of what's happening in trafficking in, even in our own country? Oh, absolutely. 
I think there's become a great movement of awareness in the last couple of years. Uh, we have really seen that trafficking's kind of become a buzzword. The understanding of actually what it is is still missing the mark. And so we have seen, you know, corporations willing to have conversations with us that maybe 10 years ago they wouldn't have even known the word trafficking. So it's opening doors, but there's a lot of misinformation out there. People, when I lived in California, people would say, Aren't you afraid somebody's going to grab your kid and run across the border to Mexico? Because to them, trafficking meant moving a person across borders. That's, that's human smuggling. Sometimes a child can be trafficked for sex and they might be moved across borders, but it's the commercial sexual exploitation of a child uh, for prostitution or pornography. And so when people miss that, then um, they're looking to fight something that they don't understand. We can't go to war against an enemy until we understand what the enemy is. And so there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what trafficking is. We're working to fix those. And as we're fixing those, then that helps us address the rest of the problems. For sure. Absolutely. And, and many would describe you, Christy, as a trailblazer. But in trailblazing, the risk of failure can be high. Are you afraid to fail? And what advice would you give to others about failure? I'm not afraid to fail. I, um, I don't know if it's because I've got a great support system um, or because I'm just dumb enough to believe that I won't fail. Um, <laughs> but I believe in failing fast and failing forward. If we, it's the old adage of you miss 100% of the shots you never take. And so I know that to grow, to push boundaries, to do things that are different, you have to be willing to fall on your face and go, oh, that hurt. Okay, let's not do it that way. Let's do it a different way. And so I'm not afraid to fail. I'm not afraid to try. And I'm not afraid to learn and be humble and have somebody, you know, listen to those outside voices that say, you missed it, but you missed it because of this tweak and then try again. Um, You know, you've seen some of the best leaders in business who aren't afraid to fail. Uh, There's a whole book called Failing Forward. I love it because it's all about these industry leaders that just tank time after time after time. And every time they learn, every time they grew, and then they built something that for one reason or the other, in whatever segment they were in, changed the world or changed the industry. And that's what we do at Safe House Project. We fail fast, we fail forward, but we are changing the industry and the way it works. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's great perspective on failing because uh, if you, everybody's going to fail if you're doing something. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. And the only way to not fail is not to do anything. Right. And then that's a failure in itself, isn't it? Yep. So failing forward is a good way to think about it. So, uh, so often... Christy, women think small and don't go for what is possible for them. But you have never thought small or local. So what is your secret for going for big ideas? I think for me, um, quite honestly, I, I would say that's where it, it comes more from a faith perspective. Um, I, I feel like sometimes we're given a God-sized vision. And for me, going after a God-sized vision means I'm not going after it in my own strength. I am, if God puts a vision in front of me, then I know he's going to give me the tools to be able to do it. So that, that's a piece of it. That's part of my personal story. I think the other thing is I saw my dad run a national company. 
you know, I understand what it is to run something on a national level and how to get those plates spinning in all of those different markets. What I don't know is how to think local. I don't know how to think small. Um, and that's simply because I, uh, as growing up, my dad was the CEO of a number of different corporations. He would go in as a turnaround specialist, flip them, and we'd move. And then as a military spouse, we move every two to three years. And so the idea of doing something just local, just in one market, I've never been afforded the opportunity to just think about one market. I have to think about what's next. I have to think about the groups on the other side of the country as much as I do the ones that are in my current backyard. Because at some point, you know, the child tra- sex trafficking victims in California might be my neighbors at some point. So I have to address the issue over there just as much as I do here. Yeah, but we'd like to encourage more people to think big, wouldn't we? Absolutely. I think that there are such incredible women that just out there in the United States, women that I've met who have such power in them. I just want to like unleash it. (laughs) But they, you know, as little girls, for me, I am grateful that I, my parents never did what I call the big switch. Um, I see so many kids, they grow up with people saying, you can be whatever you want. You can do anything. You want to be president? Absolutely. And then there becomes this big switch at some point in their life when people start going, okay, be realistic. That, that's not who you are or what you can do. Be realistic. Think smaller. And my parents never did that with me. And I see so many women who fell victim to the big switch. And they bought into the lie that they should think smaller and that that's the only impact that they can make. And I think that women are powerful and beautiful and think of the world through a different lens and it is needed. And I think women need to have the audacious belief that they can change the world. So a common saying is, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I know you don't like this saying. Explain why this way of thinking bothers you. Because innovation is key for anything. Women in business, you know, being told if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, the current systems that are in place are just fine to get by. I'm a little bit of the mentality of smash the watch and build a different one. Um you know, figure out the different ways that something can work. And innovation is key for driving any industry forward. And that means you've got to think outside the box. That means that you have to be willing to challenge the status quo and say good enough isn't, doesn't mean it's great. And when we start pushing for greatness instead of goodness, our mentality changes. It's something that forces us to dig deeper, to dig into not just the how, but the why. And in any industry, if you are going to move something from good enough to greatness, you've got to know why you're doing it. And I love seeing women say, I want to challenge, I want to grow in this industry and I'm going to do it. But to see them do it and go, I'm going to do this because I want to make that impact for my daughter. I want to set that example. I know this can be better and it's been operating at 
90% for 10 years. And I want to see how we can get to 100% because I know that the strength that that operating at 100% will be, that's where great things happen. So when when people embrace this, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But do you feel like that builds a little bit of complacency in? Absolutely. I think that complacency is writing today's banking today's opportunity on yesterday's success. And I think that for anything to move forward, you can't be willing to be complacent. But again, I think somebody willing to get uncomfortable is channeled the best from people knowing their why. And I don't see anybody who's like, I'm willing to break out of my comfort zone, but I have no clue what I'm doing it for. When somebody knows their why, then they're willing to break out of complacency. They're willing to challenge the status quo. They're willing to drive innovation. They're willing to step into places that they maybe don't feel qualified and shoot for the stars. And I think that absolutely complacency drives me crazy, but I think to challenge complacency is um, you have to know what your driver is. So is it, it's easy for women to get their feelings hurt and as a result, shut themselves off. But you told me you don't get your feelings hurt easy. Is there something that you can share that might help women be more resilient in this area? I think I have to eliminate the idea of pride, of being so proud that I can't be told where I have the ability to improve. And, and it's not an easy practice to get into at first. I used to be the most sensitive kid. I mean, somebody could tell me I looked at him wrong and I would burst into tears. And at some point, I realized that if I wanted to grow as a person, if I wanted to accomplish the big things in life, that I had to be willing to be rubbed. Like iron sharpens iron, right? And so that doesn't happen with a smooth, gentle process. That happens with cutting. That happens with abrasion. And I realized that if I wanted to get sharp, that I had to be willing to let other people who I respected, that, that is key. Other people who, who I respected, who I knew loved me and were willing to speak truth, not criticism, speak into my life. And that in that, I was going to become better. I was going to become stronger. I was going to become more compassionate. I was going to be able to think about things differently and think about others differently. And so I made it a habit to ask people a really uncomfortable question. What is it that I am doing right now? Or what is a behavior that I have that you would change? Oh, that's a, that's a wide open door in it. You want to get some feedback that you don't want? Ask that question. That you have to be willing to hear it and to receive it. And then over time you go, oh my gosh, that was incredible. And they were so right. And I am, my perspective shifted, my life shifted. I made an an alteration in my life as a result of that. And I got better. And then you go, I want to do it again. I want to see what somebody else says. And you become not addicted, but you become thrilled with the idea of constant self-improvement. And, you know, sometimes it's just willing to take that from people who know you best. Now, fast forward that into the professional world. Brittany, my co-founder and I, we are um, headstrong women who are trailblazers. And we are used to, you know, being the ones that people are willing to follow. But we also surround ourselves with people that we respect who are great leaders in their own segments. 
And so when we go into any project, we'll say, look, we're going to, we have no problem telling people what we think, but we are going to give you an open door that if you think we're wrong, challenge us. You know, if we think that we're the only smart people in the room, we got a problem. And so we want you to challenge us. Now you're going to have to defend your argument because we're going to argue with you over it. So we have to have strong people willing to speak into us. But if you think we're wrong, tell us. And that hit opening that door with our staff, with our team, and being willing to be challenged and letting them feel heard makes our entire organization stronger. And that is an it's not just a key to building us better, it's a key to building corporations and organizations stronger. Yeah, it certainly is. But boy, that question is a tough one to ask. Again, it, you have to surround yourself with high quality people. You know, it's the idea that we are like the five people we hang around the most. And so if you hang around critics, then they're going to criticize you. They are going to look for an opportunity to knock you down. And so part of that comes from surrounding yourself with people who are in this to build you up. So they understand how to say, here's something great about what you do, but if you aren't operating in your best strength, then here's where you can go. Like I have no problem creating vision and casting vision, but I can be a bull in a China closet going that direction, or I don't communicate that effectively enough to the team that I'm leading so that they understand where they fall in line. So that's where somebody will say, you're a great vision caster, but you need to slow down to communicate this better with your team. So when a woman is building out her support circle, whether it be friends or advisors, what does she need to be aware of? I would say healthy competition is a good thing. But women are known for being competitive. Women are known for not wanting somebody else to rise up. You have to surround yourself with people who aren't afraid of your success. They're also not afraid to tell you when you're wrong. And people who think different than you People get into this idea, you know, so many people right now are, well, if somebody thinks different than me, that they are not going to be somebody that is in my circle. I actually think counter to that. I think, you know, make sure at their core, their core values of who they are and what they, um, you know, overall, what they're looking for in life are in line. But somebody who sees the way to get there differently than you is always valuable. Nobody needs groupthink. Groupthink is ridiculous and never leads anybody anywhere. When you get people who are willing to be that iron sharpens iron, that are willing to think about something differently and challenge you, then it's, it's incredible. My um, co-founder, she and I go toe to toe on how she and I can um, want to arrive at the same conclusion. We, she comes and I come to from similar, but also two very different backgrounds. And we aren't afraid to, um, people think we're fighting, we're not fighting, but we're not afraid to grind through the hard conversations to arrive at a um, positive outcome for a positive outcome, not being I won or she won, a positive outcome being this is our goal and this is going to be the best way for us to achieve it with all things considered. And so you can't get your feelings hurt when you surround yourself with people who are willing to tell you hard things. 
Um, but somebody who's not competitive, somebody who wants the best for you, somebody who thinks differently than you, but somebody who still has the same core values as you. Those are kind of the things I look for. Yeah, I think there's real important too. I think those core values, I think if nothing else over the last year has taught me is that you survive things if you have people in your circle that have the same core values. Absolutely. So as a CEO, it is, is it tough for you to control your emotions when you're working in an organization that addresses something as disturbing as human trafficking? I would say that I've built a thick skin over time. There early on, there would be some cases that would just wreck me. And I kind of, I'm, I am an introvert by nature. And so my way to recharge is to draw in. And there were a couple of those cases that just punched me in the gut. We had an eight-year-old little boy um, that was being sex trafficked when my boys were eight. And that was just one of those that it just, it broke me. But over time, I've developed a thicker skin. Over time, my way of controlling my emotions is to control my circumstances. I think before I felt helpless when I heard about the eight-year-old little boy. I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the connections that I have now in order to help him. Now we built an army of connections. So right now I have a 10-year-old little girl, 14-year-old girl, and a 17-year-old that's pregnant, all from trafficking. And now instead of crumbling, I just fight like hell. And my team fights like hell for, okay, great, we're going to pull this resource and this resource and this resource. And how do we get everybody working together to get these kids the best possible help, get them out of this situation and get them into the, the state housing that they need. And so I channel it differently now. It's the same emotion, but I control it differently now because I've learned to build resources to support the situation. Well, and I'm going to stay in this space just for a second more, Christy, because I think the, you know, women tend to be or certainly are viewed as emotional creatures and, and they do tend to feel things very deeply. I think so much more than our male counterparts. But what I've heard you say is it, the, the thing that you have mastered is turning those deep emotions and turning them into action as opposed to sitting in those and simmering in them and letting them overcome you. Because when you're in action and you're in motion, it's hard to be seeped in those emotions. Yes, absolutely. And so controlling, um, turning those emotions into action, I think that's a, that's a great way to put it. I think that everybody has the ability to control their emotions. And a lack of control of emotions is just a lack of self-control. And I believe that all of us have the ability to, to rein that in. I choose to not rain, not rein it in and bury it. Uh, I believe that we, especially in the industry I'm in, you have to address your own emotions. Burying them does no good. But finding healthy tools to address your emotions is key. And for me, it's turning it into action. I tend to do the same thing. And one of the things that disturbs me at times is I see um, many women tend to get into the emotional space and instead of turning into the action, they wallow in it. And I have such a little patience for it. I'm working on that, but I don't know how about you are, but I, that's one of my own personal goals to get a little more compassionate and patient in that space because I, I have very little, right. I, I'm like you, I think, feel the emotion, cry, kick the trash can, and then get about some action. 
And I think the other thing with it is I can handle people getting emotional in our work about our work. People getting emotional in our work because they got their feelings hurt, because it's not about them, because they didn't get their way. I have a hard time with that. And I, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was, I, um, Brittany, my co-founder, uh, I talked her into running Marine Corps Marathon with me a couple years ago. Uh, I had run it and just loved it. Uh, our organization became a charity partner with them. And she had never run a 5K. And I talked her into training for a marathon. And I said, you know, you're going to be out there and you're going to be amazed at what happens on the race course. So that race, um, everybody who ran the race that year, they called the DC Swim Club. It poured, never to the point of thunder or lightning, but it was torrential downpour for 26.2 miles. And it was, it was painful. I mean, there was water eight inches deep at different points. And we're running and, and we're in the, the worst part of all of it. I mean, it's thick mud, it's deep water. And I look over and I see this guy running next to me, double amputee, military. And he's running and he, heck, he's faster than I am. And he's running and his prosthesis go out from under him. And he just eats it into the water. And I see two other guys come over pick him up. He kind of shakes it off and he keeps going. And I looked at him and I thought, you know what, as a, a lesson in life and a lesson in the work, work that I do, you look at somebody like that who keeps running and you think my excuse is invalid. My thought process in my head telling me to quit, to give up, that I can't do this, that I'm not capable is completely invalid because he did. And so I see the survivors that we work with who deal with their emotions and their pain and their hurt in order to keep going. And so if, if they can do it, then my excuse of why I can't is invalid. I use the survivors as our inspiration, as my inspiration to, to do better, to fight harder, to um, rein in myself and control myself so I can lead others to support survivors. So Again, it goes back to the why. So, Christy, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? I think because I have um, a very, almost feels like a unique lens. Um, I'm married. I've been with my husband for 19 years. And there's a lot of... um, banter out there and chatter out there that you can't be successful married, that you can't be successful as a mom, that you have to surrender all of those things in order to be successful Um, or that a husband will weigh you down. And I will say that my, who I am and the strength I have is infinitely more as a wife and as a mother than it ever was. You know, I had kids, um, my kids were born 10 weeks early, my twin son, and then they were two weeks old, still in the NICU. And my husband was sent to Afghanistan for a year. I learned real fast what kind of grit I had when I had to raise my twin sons, infant sons on my own for a year. I was a whole lot stronger than I realized. Kids will teach you that. And I also realized that 
my husband, if you have the right one, is the one who lifts me up, never puts me down. And so I would say that they are a huge part of my success. As much as my upbringing was, my husband and my kids are the ones who get behind me and push me as a wife, as a mother, and as a leader um, to keep going. And they are part of the reason I fight. And so I think that that's just an important perspective. I think, again, there's a lot of um, misnomers out there that you can't be successful and be married or have kids, that they'll weigh you down, that they'll push you down. And I think that they can do the, the opposite. They'll empower you to be better. I mean, I love that perspective and tremendous wisdom to end our interview on. And Christy, thank you for taking time to come and be open and share your nuggets of wisdom, which are so many. And I wish we had time to talk longer because there's so much more I'd like to mine from you. But thank you for taking time to come be with us. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here. I appreciate everything that you're doing to empower women leaders in the business place and in the world to make a difference. Thank you so much. And Christy is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman story unfolds. 